Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. Minnesota Vikings. The NFL. Football. Yeah, football. Welcome to Purple Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar here along with former NFL quarterback Sage Rosenfels, who was in attendance for last night's 30-20 loss by the Minnesota Vikings against the New Orleans Saints. So the big conversation this morning, I'm sure you're not surprised by this, Sage, is around Kirk Cousins and his performance and his key interception. So I am going to give you the floor here. Give me all of your thoughts at once about what Kirk Cousins did last night and the Vikings' loss about the Saints. What's the first thing that was on your mind this morning? Well, the first thing that hit me were just the two turnovers. I think that was the difference in this game. You look at the final score, 30-20, and, and uh, you know, the Vikings are up uh, in the first half, you know, rolling about to, uh, you, know, you know, possibly score a touchdown at the worst of field goal. And next thing you know, Adam Thielen fumbles, and the whole game completely turns around, uh, followed by, uh, you know, the, the pick six, which I don't think was, uh, you know, Kirk Cousins' fault. Uh, Stefan Diggs, I don't know why, but he stopped on the route. They call that a shallow crossing route. Uh, and on those routes, it's it, versus man to man coverage. You stay on the move versus zone. A lot of times you hook up uh, and find a soft spot in the zone on these little five yard crossing routes. Well, that was obviously man to man coverage from the pre snap all the way through. Uh, and as Cousins was sort of moving in the pocket, trying to find some space. Diggs, I think, just stopped to try to sort of give him a place to throw the ball, uh, and and Cousins actually led him and basically hit the uh, hit the DB in stride, and and that was the end of that six points going the other way. So, yeah, I, I, of all the games to really you know rag on Kirk Cousins for a crappy performance or a performance that cost the Vikings, this is not the one to to, to choose. And and he's played better, uh, he's played worse. Uh, but these, you know, those two turnovers, I don't think were his faults. Now, some of the sacks and some of the other things I can put on Cousins, but I don't think those are the deciding outcome uh, in this game. So what's interesting to me about Cousins is that there have been so many turnovers and confusing plays by him this year. Almost you go game by game and there's one, two, three each game uh, that you start to say, 
it's not really about whether that one was his fault or this one was his fault. We did the same thing with the Rams. Was the fumble his fault? Was it Riley Reeves' fault? Should he have stepped up? Should he have not stepped up? But the trend from 2015 to present is this sort of thing, that when it's a, a big situation or when there's an opportunity to win a big game against a really good team, that there are too many times where these things happen. And, and I, I'm starting to wonder, is there enough here with this Vikings team to paint over some of those mistakes? Because I, I think that was the theory in signing him. We, we focus very much on the money, but as you've mentioned on the podcast many times, that it's it's supply and demand with him. He got paid because he was the only quarterback out there, not because it's on a scale of which guy deserves which amount of money based on their talent. But I don't think when you're missing that many players on defense or when you make other mistakes on offense like that fumble that you can cover up for some of Kirk Cousins' shortcomings. Yeah, there, there does seem to be just there's there's something just sort of missing, uh, you know, with Kirk's, uh, you know, play overall. There seems to be that crucial play, as you said, once, maybe twice a game. That really costs them, whether it's a, you know, a sack fumble or a, just a bad sack at the wrong time. You know, that, that was the issue with Case Keenum last year. He would make a lot of great plays during the game. And then there'd be about two plays that you would just say, you know, that was a really boneheaded interception or a really bad play, him trying to do too much. I think that might be one of the things Kirk, Kirk does is he, maybe he tries to do too much. Uh, and, uh, and sometimes, you know, that th- sometimes it's su- successful. Uh, and, and other times it sort of comes back to haunt him. So yeah, the, the, him getting paid $28 million to me, that's all supply and demand. That doesn't bother me at all how much the Vikings actually paid him. That really has nothing to do with it. There's, you know, there's very rarely do good quarterbacks get out in the free agent market. Uh, he was a good quarterback out in the free agent market. I think he's probably a top 10, top 12 guy in the league. Uh, and, uh, and so he was going to get paid, you know, really, really well. And the Vikings gave him. All that money, and that's you know, they, listen, they gave him less money than the Jets were going to give him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I realize the Jets are at thirty million a year, and the Vikings offered twenty eight. So uh, again, you can't put the whole game on Kirk Cousins. You know, he, the, the quarterback always gets the blame for the losses and all the credit for the wins. Uh, he played pretty good in this football game, and uh, and you know, he said he can play better, but the team can play better as well. Uh, they got to get some turnovers on defense. And as I said before, those two turnovers offensively, those are not on Cousins. So there are a few other things in this game in particular that I want to get to. But while we're on the topic of Kirk Cousins, after the game, he, on the interception, went with the similar line that he used in Los Angeles when he fumbled, which was, you tell me, to the reporter when he was asked about it, and then we're going to keep it internal and that type of thing. Meanwhile, his wide receiver was taking responsibility at his locker for the mistake and saying that he shouldn't have stopped. So he's confirming what you thought last night, shouldn't have stopped, and that's not what he's supposed to do on that route, but maybe he was just trying to uh, find a spot as things were breaking down. So anyway, it was interesting to me that, once again, there's a, a crucial mistake, and Cousins doesn't have a whole lot of things to say about it and kind of forces somebody else to take the responsibility when you had this happen during your career even if something wasn't your fault that was a mistake did you take responsibility for it anyway at the podium i mean how did how did you handle these things and what do you think of the way he's handled them yeah you know and i i was taught uh during my college days i did an internship one time for like a financial company down in des moines iowa and i was uh became fairly good friends with the, the CEO of the company and being sort of a mentor of mine. And, and uh, one thing he said to me 
you know, when you're talking about <laughs> your football team or when he talks about his company, it's always we, mm-hmm. always. It's never I or, 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 or he with a negative. It's always we. So if, you know, even if the quarterback throws an interception or somebody else fumbles, it's always we. You know, football is the ultimate team sport. And, uh, you know, that, that might be something that, you know, maybe would help, uh, you know, Kirk, in particular with the media, you know, you're always looking for something to scrutinize. He's a guy that everyone likes to scrutinize. That's, that's the, that's the position of the quarterback. But, uh, I, I'm all about trying to use we as much as possible. You know, we got to get on the same page. You can blame Stefan Diggs if you want to, but those two together, you know, have to be on the same page. And, you know, that's probably some of the growing pains of a quarterback coming here for the first time, first year, uh, and guys just not being, you know, all those little intricacies of, uh, and little details of, uh, you know, the quarterback wide receiver, you know, position and, and trying to be on the same page. And obviously they weren't on that play. Yeah. It seems like just taking a defensive stance there when you're the guy with the ball and you're the one who threw it and, you know, the, the nuances of it matter a lot less. I think when that question is being asked, like, yes, I think we can all agree that they weren't on the same page with what Diggs was doing in that moment. And maybe Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown on that same play know exactly where each other's going to be because they've played together forever. And maybe that is the case. And there's, you could talk about it all day and look at the film and everything else. But the end result was you, the quarterback, threw the ball into the other team's hands and lost your team the game. And so it, it, it has really struck me that other quarterbacks who have stood in that same position have said yeah i can't make that throw or like you're saying that we need to be on the same page there or we can't make that crucial mistake and instead it was you tell me and that's just it's uh, like the what's the book like how to win friends and influence people like that's not in that book yeah yeah this is not uh you know something he's he's not an all pro sort of media connoisseur i will say that there's aspects of cousins that you know, some people could probably even call almost unlikable. You probably ask the Washington Redskins fans, they might, you know, say, Hey, I, we told you so. This is probably some of the things that bothered them, you know, over the last, uh, you know, three or four years when, when Kirk was starting for them. But let, you know, let's, I think you'd look at the broader picture. Cousins played good football in this game. It's 31 to 41 for 359, two touchdowns. I know some of those yards, uh, in the fourth quarter came of their, you know, trying to, trying to come back and they're getting softer defenses and, and easier completions were there. Uh, but at the end of the day, the Vikings offense put up pretty good amount of yardage. Uh, they ran the ball okay. Only, only rushed for, only rushed 22 times in this game. Latavius had 13 for 56 for, you know, over 4.0 average. I thought they could have ran the ball more. Something that we've been talking about now for, for a few weeks. Defensively, you have to be happy. You know, they gave up. They gave up, uh, you know, like 230 yards of offense. I mean, just incredible. Drew, Drew Brees, they held Drew Brees to 120 yards, uh, of passing. Uh, you know, that, that's incredible. And they, and they gave up, uh, you know, 106 on the ground. So, you know, overall, I think you gotta be fairly happy with this football game. It's just those crucial mistakes that killed them. And when you have two really evenly matched teams, I think two teams that are, t- you know, probably two of the top four or five teams in the NFC. Uh, you know, two big turnovers that really turn into 14 points. That's going to be the deciding outcome in, in a game. And, and that's what, that's what happened last night. Well, I think that it's really fascinating that game from that standpoint that for in a lot of different ways, they outplayed the New Orleans Saints, especially early where Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen were just dominating that game. They flat out took over the game early. And if Thielen doesn't fumble the ball, touchdown or field goal, maybe that's different, but. When it comes to the mistakes, it isn't just Kirk and Thielen on this one. Also, 
Laquan Treadwell Sage. I mean, I, I think we are getting to the point where you're talking about liability in a lot of ways. I, I mean, so there, there weren't any like key drop passes like there were earlier this year, but it seems to be under the category of always something. And a 15 yard penalty in that situation just cannot happen. They get the ball at the 33, the Saints. You could stop them. You might get a missed field goal the way that the defense is playing. Or even a field goal is okay in that situation. It can't be a touchdown. You give them 15 free yards, put Drew Brees in the red zone, and it's almost automatic. And I, I guess what stuck out to me is that Treadwell wasn't taken off the field for that, but earlier this year, Xavier Rhodes was for kicking a flag. And I, I guess I, I'm, I'm just thinking that that's a little bit curious considering both players' histories. Yeah, you know, I, at some point here, I don't know what to really say about Laquan Treadwell. I mean, early in the year, as you're watching the film, you see him make some you basically, you know, mistakes of how what route he's running. Uh, he was dropping passes earlier in the year. Uh, you know, to, to be a guy who's the third or fourth, you know, wide receiver on the roster and to take, be taking, you know, personal foul penalties for really no reason had not, you know, not that much to do with him. It wasn't like he dropped the pass or he made some key, you know, mistake. And, and, uh, you know, I'm not, again, I'm not really even sure what to say about him at this point. Uh, you know, he's a first rounder. Uh, he's, you know, being beat out by two stars who are undrafted in a, in a fifth rounder. Uh, and, you know, he's supposed to have more talent than those guys. And, uh, you know, maybe physically, he, maybe physically he does. Uh, but, you know, mentally and emotionally, uh, he is, you know, far, far behind Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs, you know, two superstars on this football team. So, uh, you know, I love that Audrick Robinson was getting, has been getting a little bit more playing time than they've been going after him a little bit more trying to get him the ball. Uh, I'm hoping going forward that he's the number three guy because I'm just sort of, you know, probably like a, like, a lot of Vikings fans just sort of done with Laquan Treadwell. You just can't have mistakes like that. Just boneheaded, sort of immature. Uh, you know, type of mistakes again when you're, when you're playing against a team who you know very well it could be in the NFC Championship game. Uh, you know, one of the best teams in the NFC, one of the best teams in the NFL. Uh, when, when games are that close, you know, talent wise and coaching wise and player wise, the whole thing. Uh, you know, these 15 yard penalties that are just based out of immaturity. You know, those are just un unacceptable. And also file something under head scratching with going to Treadwell on a fourth and one, where I mean a. Spreading things out and sneaking it is a proposition like 90% that you usually get it. If you just spread it out and sneak, it's what New England has done for years. I have no idea why everyone doesn't copy it, but so let's say you don't want to do that. Um, you got two of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Like you mentioned, Aldrick Robinson seems to have some chemistry. Uh, throwing the ball to Latavius Murray is legal and allowed. Um, and I think he can catch it. So, uh, yeah. Kyle Rudolph is the guy for third and one or fourth and one to me. Just, just give him the ball for a yard on a play action or something. It's worked a million times. And yet, Laquan Treadwell is the one who gets the target there. And the throw wasn't that accurate. And it was a great play by Marshawn Lattimore. But in that case, I, I, it was a key play in the game. It was where they could have been marching to get back in it. And instead, they end up giving the ball back to Breeze there because of, to me, just a, a bad decision. Yeah, yeah, that was, I, I think, maybe one of the worst. Uh, I, see, I think like that Kirk Cousins decision was much worse than, you know, the interception, some of the plays that happened in the game. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, again, you're, you're going to your, your third, fourth receiver who's been very inconsistent for you. You sort of never know what you're going to get and going against Lattimore, 
who's one of the best young corners in the game and, and sort of a key play of the game, you got to look at matchups. And in those situations, you're going to get man-to-man coverage. Uh, so you got to look at your best matchup. Uh, there's Thielen looked like to me he was open on that play. Robinson was definitely open on that play for a four or five yard gain. Uh, I, I think Laquan Treadwell, that was probably the last place uh, on the football field that I would choose to go. So how do you think on the other side of the ball they handled having a bunch of guys out on defense? Xavier Rhodes, surprising, was out. There was a report early in the day that he was going to play, but then it turned out that he didn't. Uh, Linval Joseph was limited a bit. Everson Griffin played but didn't play the whole game and was clearly, I, I think, shaking the rust off a little bit and then missing Anthony Barr as well. Uh, it seemed to me, Sage, that they did a really good job overall, uh, but at the same time, we talk about situational football, and the Saints had the lead, and they did not let the Vikings back in the game. Yeah, you know, defensively, when you watch this game, uh, the Vikings played a different style than they're used to playing. They played a lot of zone coverage, a lot of too high safety coverage mm-hmm. uh, that did allow the Saints to get some decent runs, uh, you know, four, five, six-yard runs on, on first down. I actually talked to Drew Brees after the game in the Saints locker room. We talked about, you know, you know, did you? I asked him if they, if he thought, uh, or and or Sean Payton, if they thought they could run the football in the Vikings. I, I feel like I've seen that this year. A lot of five-yard runs, six-yard runs, just some nice push by opposing offensive lines on this Vikings defensive line. Uh, and he said, "Well, listen, you're playing the Vikings. You never want to be in third and long situations with Hunter and and you know the, the pass rush that they have." Uh, so you really try to stay out of those. So for them, it was like, you know, it's okay to run on first and second down, you know, be in third and fives, be in third and fours. You know, that's why, you know, Breeze is, you know, the, the Hall of Famer. You, you, you trust him in those situations. And so, you know, they had a very conservative game plan. And again, they were going against this sort of too high safety defense, uh, almost the entire football game of the Vikings did not play that much man to man. Probably didn't help that Xavier Rhodes wasn't playing. Uh, and a couple other guys that, that were out. And so they decided to, to take a little more conservative approach. And the Saints sort of, uh, you know, abided by that. So, okay, if you guys are going to play deep, we're, we're going to be, uh, you know, throw the ball underneath, you know, Breeze threw for a five yard average, probably, you know, 120 yards. I'm not even sure when the last time Breeze probably threw for 120 yards, uh, in a game and, you know, run the ball in, in very short, you know, passes. And at the end of the day, the Vikings sort of beat themselves with the, with the fumble and with the interception. I call that the, uh, the Jim McMahon win. Right there. The uh, throw for 120 yards and get a victory. <laughs> well, you know what's amazing? I, I, they had like on a, on a classic game, you know, like, I think it was like last off season or something. They showed like an 85 Bears game and I'm mm. looking back and, and, uh, watching them play. And I was like, yeah, you know, McMahon did not throw for a lot of yards. It was like relying that defense. You feel like they, he felt like, uh, they're going to get a defensive touchdown like every single game. And obviously they had Walter Payton in the backfield and it was like handoff throw really or throw the ball really really deep uh to willie galt or like you know a flat route to a tight end like that was basically their offense hand the ball off a go route and a flat route and it was like those three plays you know watching that football watching the old bears game from from the early mid 80s yeah i certainly wouldn't have put my money down on uh, drew Brees for 120 yards (laughs) i would not have taken the under last night with xavier Rhodes missing but playing the situations is that's how it's done. I was going to say, if, if, if you would have uh, said, you know, Drew Brees is going to have uh, 120 yards passing, uh, you know, at five yards and throw an interception, by the way, his first interception of the year, mm-hmm. and you're going to give up 3.7 per carry running the football, 
you know, asked Mike Zimmer before the game, you know, would you take that? You, you would take that every single time. You know, anytime Drew Brees throws for under 300 yards, you got to be pretty dang happy, in particular, you know, in a dome. Um, and again, I, I think the defense did their job and then some. They got a turnover. Uh, they held Brees in check. Uh, they held the running game for the most part in check. And, uh, you know, not, not a lot of big plays there uh, for the Saints. And, and I said the Vikings, I felt like they were just, you know, trying to make too many plays almost and, and, uh, and, and, and made a couple bad ones that really cost them. And we have a saying on this podcast, Sage, that was actually born of uh, Stefan Diggs's excellence, which is fantasy stats are not real football. And I think last night's a great example. And, and Drew Brees, even last year, his yards total is down by like a thousand yards almost from some of his 5,000 yard years. And he deserved to be in the MVP conversation because they were winning a lot more. They were running the ball more successfully. So how a quarterback plays versus those numbers don't always match up very well. And I, I mean, I thought that Brees, aside from the interception, um, he, played well in the game it was just that they didn't need him to do any more than he did and they get the win so uh let me give well, you well you're, 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 you're going to talk about stats i think when you're talking about football in general uh and just sports in general and, and media people uh we love to just talk about statistics stats 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 and uh and i i've come to the sort of conclusion it's amazing how how much stats sort of lie because mm-hmm. you don't know how the game flow was and and uh uh actually for for radio this week and i called the oklahoma versus kansas state game uh down in norman oklahoma on saturday afternoon well oklahoma earlier in the year they played against army and and beat army uh in a really close game at the end I think I, I think it even went to overtime. All right, Oklahoma ran forty plays the entire game. <laughs> Army had seventy-eight rushes mm. the in, in, in the game. Right, they ran like you know like like ninety some plays mm-hmm. or something like that. Right, so uh, you know who had more yards and who had this and who had that. at the end of the day. What's the score? Who's winning? When are they winning? Who had the turnovers? You know those types of things. We all get always get wrapped up in yards per carry and yards per attempt and quarterback rating and all these things. But when you look at the flow of a football game, you know, one of the reasons the the Saints didn't have great statistics is they didn't need to have great statistics. They sort of, again, as I said before, they sort of allowed, you know, the Vikings to sort of lose that game and they weren't going to do anything too risky. They're just going to sort of play their game. And that's, if they would have been behind, I promise you, Drew Brees probably would have thrown for for 250 or 300 yards if they're up behind, but, uh, you know, they weren't the entire second half. Yeah, I, I think it takes us sort of a, a deeper study of the numbers to get your, your clear picture where you're looking at a lot of different things. And you've mentioned the third downs is a big thing where you can figure out. You look at uh, how quarterbacks perform on third downs. You could just make the list out of the top 10 quarterbacks right by how they do on third down. Um, and, and, you know, there's a number of other statistics depending on what you're really looking for. Football Outsiders has a good one where they try to parse out the score. And so they remove some of the score effects and things like that. So, um, there, there are attempts, but, um, you know, it, it can make it really tough when it's a game like last night. So last thing. Yeah. I, I think, by the way, I think Blake Bortles has made a lot of money on NFL based <laughs> off yeah. of these, a lot of times phony statistics. And 35 not, not touchdowns. Much last year. Not as much last year when they were. Uh, you know, when they were winning a lot of football games, but in the years before that, they'd be behind 31 to seven in the fourth quarter. And, you know, he'd go 16 of 18 in the fourth quarter versus soft cover two defense and mm-hmm. throw a couple of touchdowns. And, and, uh, the stats would look a lot better than they actually were. And, 
uh, yeah, so you know, it's, you gotta be careful with statistics, and and it's not all about that. At the end of the day, it's you know, obviously just about that final score. I do think turnovers that is a statistic that will forever be very, very viable, much more viable than passing yards. Mm-hmm. So let me just ask you one more thing here before we wrap up. Just big picture on this team, are you still after that loss? Are you still buying them as legit contender or just fringe playoff team? Or are, I mean, I, I don't strike you as a, or you don't strike me as a panic button guy at this moment, but uh, how's your sort of big picture feeling? Well, panic for what? I mean, it, you know, <laughs> uh, this is it's like it's an airplane going down or something here. Um, I, I think what I see at the Vikings as they're a flawed team, uh, they're not the Rams. Um, they have issues on, on different sort of various weaknesses on, on both sides of the football. Uh, and, uh, I think coaching could probably be better. I wasn't thrilled, by the way, I wasn't thrilled with the lack of tempo, uh, mm-hmm. when they were down 17 points, three scores there in the fourth quarter last night. And they're slowly moving the ball. They huddle up for a quarterback sneak, uh, on the one yard, which cost them like an extra 40 seconds. So, um, there's a lot of issues on the football team. I do think. They look like to me that a team that'll win at the least eight and at the most 10 football games this year. That, that's sort of how I see them. It's going to come down to, you know, the Packers game. You know, they, they have five division games left, Packers mm-hmm. and, and two against the, one against the Packers, two against the Bears, two against the Lions. You know, how do those games, you know, end up? And, you know, we, I think we both know that, you know, the, the Packers game, uh, you know, that, that time with, you know, the, the way Aaron Rodgers plays, it always seems like it comes down to, you know, does he create magic with the ball in his hands at the end of the game or not? You know, and so, right. and the Bears are a good team. And, and, uh, so it's, it's going to come down to a lot of close ball games. And last year they won these close ball games. And this year, you know, they're, they're struggling with them a little bit. And so I, I you know, it's always hard to tell, you know, what's going to happen when you, when you talk about 16 games at the end of the year, but it's going to come down to these close ball games. And, and either they make those plays or they don't. And last night, they made the negative plays that gave the Saints the game. All right. We will be back on Wednesday for another podcast. And one of the teams that is just a dream of journeyman quarterbacks, the Detroit Lions. I cannot wait for that. Sage, thanks for your time as always. Sounds good. And uh, thank you all for listening to the Purple Podcast. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.